I'm Jonathan Capehart, and welcome to Capehart. You're not going to believe this, but hip-hop is 50 years old. That's right, 2023 marks its 50th anniversary. But hip-hop is far more than a musical genre. It's a cultural phenomenon whose impact has always been seen through fashion. The museum at FIT, the venerable Fashion Institute of Technology, puts a spotlight on that part of hip-hop's enduring legacy in an exhibition called Fresh, Fly, and Fabulous. In this conversation, first recorded for Washington Post Live on March 16th, co-curators Elizabeth Way, Associate Curator of Costume at the Museum at FIT, and Elena Romero, Assistant Chair of the Marketing Communications Department at FIT and author of Freestyling, How Hip-Hop Changed the Fashion Industry, talk about what influenced hip-hop style in the early days. Rap music has always been about kind of documenting what's happening at the moment, and the clothes reflect that as well. So it's the creativity of Black and Brown communities who mainstream society is doing their best at this time, some might argue still doing their best, to make them seem invisible. So through their style, through their art, they're making themselves visible. And how hip-hop style then took over fashion. We saw it transition from being a mom and pop and regional specialty store business to being a department store and international business worldwide. We were able to see that by 2002, this had become a $58 billion industry. And so the industry overall has seen quite about a benefit from it, having the celebrities move from uh, just endorsers to actually creating their own lines. Due to a technical difficulty at the start of the conversation, you will hear some echo. Our apologies. I was going to ask this later, but I have to ask this now. Um, when I think hip hop, I don't think the 1970s. <laughs> Because for me, that's Marvin Gaye, Earth, Wind and Fire, Disco, Donna Summer. Um, I think of the 1980s when I think of, of hip hop. Am I the only one who's surprised that hip hop is 50 years old? 50? Well, you know, hip hop is, and hip hop scholars other than Elena and I have marked the beginning of hip hop as August 11th, 1973. Um, and that's when uh, Cool Herc threw his very famous uh, back to school jam for his sister Cindy. Um, and that's when we start to see this musical, the technicalities of this musical style developing. But as Elena and I show in the exhibition, early on, we see those influences in the hip hop fashion from funk, from disco, um, for throughout the 50 years hip-hop heads, these creative kids were always pulling from mainstream culture, always very aware of what was going on around them. And, and so, Elena, you had this wonderful quote in the New York Times. You said, quote, fashion is the original sixth element of hip-hop. Aspirations become a reality through what we wear. From nameplates to chains, it's a way of being seen, and wearing the right clothes is a way to announce yourself to the world. It is giving that sixth element its due what inspired you both to create this ex this exhibit? For me, this was an extension of a body of work that I had been doing in the 1990s as a fashion reporter for uh, Women's Wear Daily and DNR. Uh, I covered this market uh, really at the point where we saw it transition from being a mom and pop and regional specialty store business to being a department store and international business worldwide. We were able to see that by 2002, this had become a $58 billion industry. And so the industry overall has seen quite about a benefit from it, having the celebrities move from uh, just endorsers to actually creating their own lines. 
you know, I'm trying to find in my notes here, if I remember right, Elena, you, it was part of the exhibition, your own nameplate is part of the, uh, part of the exhibition. Yeah, I'm proud to say I'm 50 with hip hop. So this is a part of my culture. I'm part X, which is notoriously known for the creation of hip hop here in New York City. And so my brass buckle uh, nameplate is found in the exhibition. I actually donated to the museum at FID along with uh, my uh, name ring that was given to me by my mother in the late 80s. Wow, wow. Um, I'm trying to find, because I skipped ahead and asked the 50-year question, so now I've lost my place. All right, so Elizabeth, um, hip-hop style is more than baggy jeans and gold chains and nameplates uh, and belt buckles. Your exhibition argues that, in, in a quote here, uh, the genre's artists and fans transformed and popularized streetwear, athleisure, and logo mania to name only a few significant and enduring fashion movements. So then, and we're seeing some of the some of the fashion on the screen. So what would constitute hip hop style today? Well, for me, I define hip hop style as any style that's worn by a hip hop artist, a person who identifies with the culture. Um, as long as that person self-identifies with hip hop, what they're wearing is hip hop style. So that means it could be gowns on the red carpet. It could be throwback styles to the 1990s, which we're seeing a lot of today. Um, it could be a suit and tie. All of these things encompass hip hop fashion. Oh wait, hold up. I I I'm in I'm in suit and tie. So would this come on now? Would this count as hip hop culture? If you are if you are representing hip hop in your suit and tie through your attitude, through what you're doing, through your state of mind, then it is 100% hip hop fashion. Okay, that's what you say, Elizabeth. But Elena, is this hip hop style? Because I'm the last person <laughs> anyone. <laughs> Would, would see as having any kind of hip hop style? I mean, that's a wonderful question. And as, as Liz mentioned, it's not so much about a particular brand or a particular cut, but rather also how it's wearing, your attitude and how you uh, present that. Uh, for example, many people, when they think of hip hop style, they're kind of stuck in the 1980s with baggy jeans and logo merchandise. But there's a lot of misconceptions. There are many elements of tailored clothing. Uh, if we look at it and examine it through history, uh, there's quite a bit of custom or what we call one of ones today. So there are many elements of tailored, but quite frankly, your attitude and how you wear it and how you accessorize it will ultimately land you that label if you are wearing it in a hip hop fashion or not. Uh-huh. I'm still having, I, there's uh -huh. no way I, 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 I could have that much attitude and moxie to, to have hip hop style. But Elizabeth, um, and let's keep talking more about, um, about the style and to the point that Elena was making about the, the attitude, because hip hop fashion is a reflection of black and Latino identity and creativity, is it not? Absolutely. Explain, go further into that. So, you know, hip hop was created in the South Bronx, 1973. We're talking about communities of color, um, African-American communities, but also this wide um, kind of diversity of black communities. We see a lot of influence coming up from the Caribbean. And a lot of that influence is taking European and British style and taking it up into New York City. We see Puerto Rican um, influence. All of these people are coming together. And this is a time in New York City where they are, um, you know, they're facing poverty, they're facing unemployment, they're facing urban redlining. Um, 
all of New York is kind of suffering in the 1970s, but communities of color are especially feeling this. Um, white flight is taking place. And then, of course, we have the crack pandemic coming on um, in the 1980s. A lot of things are happening. But these young kids are turning all of this, every, all the situations they're living with, they're fueling it into their art, whether they're rapping, whether they're dancing, whether it's aerosol art, um, communicating visually. And so rap music has always been about kind of documenting what's happening at the moment and the clothes reflect that as well. So it's the creativity of black and brown communities who mainstream society is doing their best at this time, some might argue still doing their best to make them seem invisible. So through their style, through their art, they're making themselves visible. Elena's nameplate belt is an amazing example of that. Literally putting your name in metal letters is a way to declare your presence and your visibility. You know, and that gets to a, a quote um, that, that Sasha Jenkins um, says uh, um, uh, in the LA Times, this was back in 2018, 2018 and Sasha Jenkins uh, directed the 2015 hip-hop fashion document, documentary, Fresh Dress. And Sasha says, be, um, talking about, you know, just the placement of, of the hip-hop community and why fashion was so big, uh, Sasha says, because when you don't have much ownership over where you can land in society, your financial situation, your educational situation, the one thing you can control is the way you look. And Elena, I would love for you to take that ball and run with it because um, the roots of hip hop fashion uh, is in wearing your quote, Sunday best. Talk about that and explain what Sunday best means. I actually was put in that Sasha Jenkins film. Ah. Uh, you know, we're talking about ah. black and brown, uh, you know, youth uh, from working class backgrounds who have historically been marginalized, who have been othered. And fashion is the, and like the music is the soundboard to be seen. And this is where expressions of individuality come out in custom uh, fashions and accessories, including the brass buckle name belts where you're seeing uh, teens put their names, their horoscope, the crew, the block that they belong to. Same with jewelry, where you see uh, hoop earrings with names, uh, nameplate chains, uh, spray-painted uh, aerosol denim jacket with not only the characters that they idolize, but their image and likeness. So a lot of it is about being noticed. This idea of Sunday best, you know, or, you know, being so fresh and so clean, the idea of being um, made sure to be uh, respected in many ways. The way we dress is how people identify what tribe we belong to and if we're accepted in one particular space or another. You know, you um, um, there's also a quote from you in that L.A. Times um, story where you say fashion was a way to showcase your aspirations or your abilities to make it or make it out. Talk more about that. Sure. So, you know, growing up, many of us watch shows like Robin Leach's Lifestyle Rich and Famous. That was Ooh, our right. inside look as to what affluence Ooh, and wealth right. looked like. And we were not at the reflection of the other side of that broadcast. Uh, when the hip hop celebrity now becomes uh, mainstream, we are now seeing that we can reach attainable heights that had never been seen before in terms of travel, in terms of wealth, in terms of notoriety and exposure. Fashion is just one indicator of that success. And so, you know, El El Elizabeth, at the time, 
you know, when the baggy jeans and the Timberlands and the hoop earrings and everything were considered by mainstream society as um, that's for them, that's that's over there. Um, and they weren't always deemed high fashion when worn by us. Uh, what are your thoughts on the cultural appropriation of hip hop fashion? Because it is no longer other, it is fashion. Absolutely, we see the influence of hip hop, of streetwear on every single runway when we look at Fashion Week. Um, in terms of cultural appropriation, what's what's so fascinating about hip hop fashion is that, of course, we have very talented designers who are creating new new designs, cross colors, Carl Kanai, April Walker, 5001 Flavors, Dapper Dan. But so many of the kids started off and continued throughout the 50 years to buy clothing available in the mainstream and style it and wear it in a way that made it special. So they're taking the same clothes that every other teenager in America has access to, but they're putting it on their bodies. The fact that it's a black or brown body makes a huge difference in how it's perceived, but they're also mm. styling it oversized or, you know, accessorizing it in certain ways um, that are unique to their communities and to hip hop culture. And I'll also add that this did not look the same in New York as it looked in Atlanta, as it looked in Detroit, as it looked in LA. We have so many kind of different hip hop styles. Um, the the transition from hip hop to high fashion, you know, at first it was just high end designers looking at kind of these most um, significant tropes. We have a piece in the um, exhibition that is a Dookie chain um, designed by Karl Lagerfeld at Chanel from 1991. Um, so incredibly early for a company like Chanel to be taking inspiration um, from hip hop. What we don't see in that time are designers like April Walker across colors in the magazines um, being recognized by the mainstream um, fashion industry. So appropriating hip hop style is, I mean, it really took, it really started to take off in the 1990s when hip hop became mainstream, when hip hop was popular culture, especially for youth. Um, and, you know, any artist, any designer, they want as wide an audience as possible. Um, white teenagers are buying hip hop um, albums as much or more than um, teenagers of color. What's important to us, uh, for Elena and I, is that we show where these trends came from. We wanna honor the, the designers, the kids, all of this creative energy that are not mostly, not exclusively um, black and brown people. They, they gave this style to America and now it's American style. And so it's not that we don't, um, you know, there's not any designer who wants to limit the people buying their things, but we really wanna make sure we pay tribute to who created it. Right, right. And, you know, um, I'm just also the other the other thing among the many things you donated uh, to the exhibition, Elena, is your your daughter's turquoise Reebok freestyle sneakers, the 5411s, because that was the price, including tax <laughs> of, of, of the sneakers. Yeah, um, absolutely. I want you to pick up on sneakers. Create. Go ahead. Yeah, so that was one of the early that was intentionally designed for women, uh, women that were into aerobics at time and dance. Uh, it, that sneaker has been in existence and continues to be relaunched. Uh, and so the sneakers that we have in the exhibition are uh, iridescent uh, turquoise sneakers. And of course, uh, the slang terminology of 54 lesbians really comes from the price tag of $54 and 11 cents be ultimate price tab after New York sales tax. Shop and buy those sneakers in stores like VIM in New York City. 
Wow, VIM. I have not heard that store's name in I don't know how long, but I can see I can see the 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 um, the, the sign uh, above the store. Um, I want you to pick up uh, Elena on what Elizabeth was talking about in terms of of um, of main quote unquote mainstream high end fashion houses appropriating hip hop style, but talk about the significance of Sean Combs and what happened in 2004. Why was that a watershed? What was that watershed moment? And why was it a watershed moment? Well, I think, you know, for a long time, the the, the fashion was looked at being more of a trend, something that was going to be short lived. And we saw longevity early on. You know, these brands at trade shows like Magic International in Las Vegas were making multi-million dollar sales uh, season after season. Uh, that we saw Sean Puffy Combs enter the market, he ended up uh, showing uh, uh, not only the traditional casual sportswear that we had traditionally seen in terms of denims, knits, uh, and velours, but now we're seeing kind of a more um, adult, more mature look and interesting silhouettes that we had not seen before. When Puffy comes on, he, he has an all-black male fashion show for 7th on 6th that is quite remarkable. And of course, he becomes the first African-American designers to win a CFDA award, really marking a very pivotal moment, not only in hip-hop style, but in fashion overall. And so then, Elizabeth, when, when Sean Combs won that award, what was the impact of that going forward? <sighs> Well, you know, when Sean Combs launched Sean John, he had immediately the support of people like Anna Wintour, of people like Andre Leontali, fashion insiders um, in the quote unquote kind of, you know, ivory tower of fashion. And that was a lot different from um, brands that had launched previously like FUBU um, or Fat Farm who were, you know, going from a, a more kind of uh, more in the hip hop kind of what they called urban fashion at that time track. Um but what's interesting about Sean Combs winning the CFDA award is that the next designers of color to win were from public school, Dai Chow and um, Maxwell Osborne. And these two designers met each other and trained at Sean John. So not only do we see him kind of breaking all of these um, all of these stereotypes about what it means, um, what urban fashion means, what um, a celebrity fashion line can look like, how it can be taken seriously by the industry. He's also creating a pipeline. Um, and I don't think we talk about that enough, about all of these designers who were kind of labeled hip hop, um, kind of pushed into a parallel industry, the important pipeline that they created for designers of color. We have a piece in our um, in the exhibition that was donated to us by Mimi Plange, who got her start working at Rockaware and now has a beautiful um, kind of collection of her own. Looking at Dapper Dan, you know, we interviewed him for the exhibition and he talked about how, you know, if it weren't for him, we wouldn't have had Virgil Abloh at Louis Vuitton. You know, these designers, even though the mainstream industry wanted to push them into a different category for so long, they really laid the groundwork for um, the diversity that we're starting to see in fashion today. If I'm remembering right, what wasn't Sean John, like, Sean Combs had a brick and mortar store if I'm not mistaken, wasn't it on Fifth Avenue and 40, 41st Street, like right across from the New York Public Library? Am I remembering? Correct. I did have a flagship store. Go ahead, Elena. 
yes, you are correct. We had a flagship store. I want to kind of take the, the conversation a little bit back. So as we are examining the roots and the evolution of hip hop style um, and, and giving and celebration and commemoration of the 50th anniversary of hip hop, we also have to look at the complex relationship that hip hop has um, had with the fashion industry thinking of these conversations around shopping while black and the policing of black bodies walking into high establishments in the fashion industry. So I think there's a lot of conversation that could be had, um, not just in terms of the style, but in terms of the shoppers and how things have changed since its early inception. Well, I'm glad you brought that up. Well, um, but talk talk more about that. How, I mean, how did, you know, shopping while black and, and either being followed around high-end stores or shoppers, customers, potential customers not feeling welcome to even cross the threshold of those stores simply because of either the color of their skin or what they were wearing. I mean, we were seeing a lot of things take place. I mean, when we think about the popularity of Ralph Long Polo, you know, you have to give credit to the low lives that extended out of uh, Brooklyn and Brownsville. Um, but those earlier um, moments where that brand was being popularized was a moment where there was what we call boosting, where they were shoplifting, they were breaking into department stores. So there is validity in, in some of that. Uh, but every single shopper is not exactly going in and shoplifting. So uh, where do we draw the line and how uh, our consumers profile is, is, is an interesting conversation. How that might be, you know, low, they're sagging their jeans, what shoes they're wearing. There's an assumption that they're not coming in to shop just like everyone else uh, because they're young, because they're into hip hop. And that's where the conversation gets muddy. Elizabeth, I would love your, your thoughts. I see you nodding in agreement. Well, again, like talking to people like Dapper Dan or Misa Hilton, you know, Dapper Dan talks about in his shop, he would sit there and as soon as a customer walked in, he went to the door and he greeted them. He started a conversation with them because he wanted them to have a fundamentally different experience than they would have on Fifth Avenue shopping at some of the luxury brands. He wanted to make sure that they felt seen, that they felt valued as customers um, because of that contrast. Or we have stylists like Misa Hilton working, you know, from in Uptown Records, Uptown Records from the 90s, talking about how the high-end designers um, were not only not kind of um, throwing clothes at um, her to style her clients. And we see this the same with magazine editors like um, Emil Wilbekin. Not only are they not like, you know, having all of these uh, kind of products thrown at them to be featured in music videos, in magazines for free advertising, they're having a really hard time accessing that, them at all. And so we do see this level of creativity um, and this kind of uh, FUBU attitude for us, by us, um, come out of that. But we also see a lot of missed opportunities. Um, you know, we had to wait till 2017 for Gucci to um, partner with Dapper Dan and create this amazing collaboration. Um, but what he did in opening up this dialogue between European luxury labels and American street wear has been incredibly influential. Um, and it was, a, it was a lot of, I mean, it was just racism. It was just um, kind of prejudices against this customer base and the assumptions that people made about them um, that really limited a lot of creativity and growth that could have happened um, in the fashion industry. And so then, Elena, given what Elizabeth just said, have you seen or has there been any improvement in uh, in that treatment, in that outlook, in the acceptance of hip hop? 
Absolutely. Um, really, no choice. I mean, what we've seen is that hip hop style is American style and rappers are part of America's story. We cannot continue to ignore them. So uh, over time, where artists had to dress themselves because they didn't have access to designer brands. Now they are being you know, ushered in not only to sit on the front row and participate as uh, models and runway shows, but now they're doing a lot of collaborations with luxury brands that they idolize. I mean, I think it, a lot can be said, not only uh, in terms of the legacy that uh, that Virgil Abloh left behind, but the naming of Pharrell as the head of Louis Vuitton oh. and the creative direction. Oh, right, that, that, that took me by surprise. Did it take either of you by surprise, Pharrell? Really? Can't hear you, Elizabeth. Hear me now? Try again. You... Okay, yeah, I was just... Great. Pharrell has a long history of working with brands like Chanel and Louis Vuitton as a spokesmodel. He's, of course, noted for his personal style, and he has successful companies like Billionaires, Boys Clubs, and Ice Cream. Um, but I think uh, I think the Washington Post's own Robin Gavon did a really thoughtful piece on um, kind of what it means for a celebrity uh, to step into a design role um, like that. Um, so I'll, I'll let uh, Robin kind of uh, her words speak for themselves, but it certainly does speak to how important hip hop is for these luxury brands um, in their marketing, in their customer bases and how they need to position themselves um, socially and culturally. So Elena, we, we, we've talked about um, musicians. Uh, we've talked about, you know, folks who came up in fashion, but I'm just wondering, how did athletes contribute to the popularization of hip hop fashion? In our exhibition, we also have a section that looks at sports. And so uh, brands like FUBU actually had licensing deals with the NBA. Willie Esco had a licensing deal with MLB. Uh, Mitchell and Ness had tremendous success with their throwback jerseys. So those are just a few examples of how uh, the fashion industry and sports uh, really were able to benefit from that connection to hip hop. Mm -hmm. um, so I, this is a question for both of you, and we've got less than five minutes. Uh, so. I'm going to put have you put on your your uh, take out your crystal ball. Um, Elena, I'll start with you. Uh, how do you see hip hop fashions evolving? And this is where you need the crystal ball. What's going to be the next trend? Ooh, that's a really loaded question. <laughs> I'm going to go out in the limb and think about how these luxury brands are going to start financing and supporting the celebrities in their own business ventures. I think, you know, one of the missing links here in why um, so many brands have not always succeeded long-term is this idea of infrastructure and finance. And I think if celebrities are doing collaborations with the brands, it'd be interesting to them to go one step further and actually support them in creating their own brands and moving them into that next stage of their careers. Interesting. Elizabeth, what do you what do you think? So Elena talks a lot about business, um, trends in business. If I'm thinking aesthetically um, in terms of fashion, we've already seen this amazing push from Gen Z um, towards gender fluidity, towards androgyny, this adventurous way of dressing that in which gender is no longer kind of this limiting factor. Um, and so I think we're going to see a continuation of that in a huge way. Um, we've also seen hip hop style kind of just 
grow and grow and grow in terms of luxury, um, in terms of kind of this over-the-top luxury. And I think that we will see a reverse of that um, in, you know, the way fashion always cycles out. We've already seen um, a lot of um, 1990s and 2000s inspiration. I think we'll go even further back, um, maybe to the 80s or even the 70s um, in these trends. But these are just uh, my speculations. (laughs) This is this has been a fascinating conversation. The biggest thing I took out of it is that I could actually be, I could actually be considered hip hop. <laughs> Which well, is Jay-Z not could wear I... a suit just like yours, and he's certainly making it hip hop. So there's no reason why you can't either. That is a that is a fair point. This has been this has been really terrific, and I wish we had had more time. Uh, and I can't wait to get up to New York to see the show, Elizabeth Way. And Elena Romero, the exec- exhibition at the museum at FIT is called Fresh, Fly, and Fabulous, just like this conversation. Thank you both very much for coming to Washington Post Live. Thank you so much for having us. Thanks for listening to K-Part. It's edited by Nick Roberts. We'll have new episodes for you every Thursday. I'm Jonathan K-Part. You can find me on Twitter at K-Part J. K-Part J.